That's a very good delivery. He thinks it's hit the pad first, and the umpire, Peter Willey, agrees with him. Wakar was very strong in his appeal there. LBW number 86, another unassisted dismissal for Wakar Yunus. One of his... One way to go yet. Oh, he's bowled him! Oh, it's all happening. That's superb cricket. Wakar Yunus knocks over Ricky Ponting. Back-to-back -back ducks, and this test match is alive and well. Hello and welcome to the Dilaparam All-Rounder podcast. It is the 12th of December. It's around 8 o'clock p.m. and we are recording. My guest today is my uncle, Narayan Krishnamurthy. I uh, call him Nana. Nana, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So, Nana, I brought you on today because I wanted to talk with you about two sports and I wanted to preview the Australian Cricket Summer, which when we produce this episode, so this episode will come out on Thursday morning and then Thursday afternoon is the start of the Australian Cricket Summer with Pakistan playing and West Indies playing. So I wanted to talk about that with you. And then I wanted to, part two of this episode, I wanted to talk about, I call them GOATs, G-O-A-T, and we call that the greatest of all time. I wanted to explore some goat athletes that are not in the major sports. So the one we I thought we could talk about today is a hockey great, Dian Chand. Going to cricket, Nana, you probably were responsible for a lot of my love for cricket as well because when I was growing up, I could see you being a very passionate cricket fan and, and watching a lot of cricket and playing a lot of cricket. So I just wanted to maybe get an understanding from you. Where did your love for cricket come about? And, you know, since how, how old were you when you started watching and your earliest memories of cricket? Uh, thanks, Dilip. Uh, uh, cricket in my blood goes back uh, probably to 1961 or 62 maybe. And then uh, we used to play in the short version within the house space that was available and within the family members. And then we opened slowly into our friends and uh, uh, we found that actually we were able to uh, negotiate and negate even that sort of great cricket, uh, which was not a recognized cricket in whatever sense that you can call it as. But then every day we used to make sure that we used to play around with those players and then pick up the tennis ball cricket. Mm. And that, in fact, enhanced significant interest. And then it opened up a broad avenue for knowing uh, the good players in the district, in the state, in the country, in different states, in different countries. See, that's how the passion actually grew. So was this in Bangalore? It was in Bangalore, actually. The, yeah. uh, that's my birthplace, actually. Right. And so you started playing a lot of tennis ball cricket, watched a lot of cricket. And then when you came to Australia, I know you were a umpiring grade cricket. Clearly you had a strong love for cricket, but I suppose I've seen in you of late that your, maybe your passion for watching cricket has diminished to what it used to be. Um, am I right in that? Or would you say your passion for, 
even the, the love for the game from a viewing perspective is the same. Point blank, absolutely. I tell you, the way I watch, I do not miss one ball. Yeah. If I miss that ball, I'll make sure that I come back to see the replay at least two, three times to in completely engross that, actually. Mm. And this is virtually in every grade of cricket, even as the BBL is going on now, I try to grasp that aspect of it, actually. Yeah. Therefore, I can comment on any of these uh, uh, versions. Uh, for the question that you raised uh, about the passion leading into the umpiring aspect in mm. New South Wales, I would like to touch upon that. Please do. Uh, I got interested. I, I mean, why not I do some umpiring here? Then I asked, what are the minimum protocols necessary to represent the umpiring. Uh, one of my friends told me that you have got to sit for an examination and then pass that examination, pass the interview, etc. It so happened that I scored 86% uh, in that and then I was selected by Simon Nof Tuffel and uh, uh, Daryl Hare. Both of them were the interviewers for me. And then the in Sydney, in Sydney, yeah, at the University of New South Wales AGSM Hall, where wow. the interview also took place. Uh, Daryl remarked, "You have done well to get 85 out of uh, the 100 questions that we have asked. It's uh, it's not that easy. I can tell you one thing. I'll slot you into the Sydney Senior Cricket uh, Division, wherein you can umpire, but." Let me ask you one question, whether you can answer this. He asked me, a ball has been hit by the batsman, batter, in the current days, and then the ball has actually got fragmented into pieces, and different fragments have crossed the boundary. In fact, every fragment crossed the boundary. What will be your decision on that? Is it a four, or what will be your decision, actually? So. I thought for a while and then uh, immediately recollected, oh my goodness, this is a five and three fourth ounce ball. How can it get fragmented? I just uh, mentioned it. As a ball, I expect the entire five and three fourth ounce to cross the fence. When I, when I indicated that the entire five and three fourth ounce will have to cross the fence, uh, he actually clapped and then said, hey, look, Mike, hey, buddy, you please go and then do the umpiring for the state senior uh, division. Wow. So for two years I did that, but I did it at Parramatta District Cricket Association. Right. Uh, several things I picked up, actually. Uh, that, would have, that would have been an experience. That was an experience. In one of the matches uh, when all the players uh, garrowed me and then said, how did you uh, not um, give out? It was caught behind, actually. Uh, I had to stand at both ends uh, for that grade of cricket, actually, for the B division cricket, because the other umpire had not come. <laughs> so I went and uh, introspected the bail the right bail had got a red mark on that. I called all the players and then I showed them the ball had actually scraped past the bail, but it went to the wicketkeeper's hand. The wicketkeeper did catch the ball, but the bail did not fall. 
and the batsman never touched the uh, ball with the bat. So there you go. No? So people were very, very, very impressed with uh, of many of my umpiring decisions also, actually. They, they would have been initially disappointed with the decision and then on reflection would have realized. That's correct. And then they started remarking uh, there were uh, rhetorical terms like, oh my goodness, oh, this buddy is too good, man. <laughs> something like that from the midwicket or something, you can hear those things. <laughs> Before we get into the, this current summer, do you have a favorite maybe decade of cricket that you look back and you say, that's the decade I was probably most passionate about cricket, or like watching cricket? If there is one era of cricket that virtually I have to say, uh, those who had lived in that era, they cannot forget, is 1970s actually. The cricket used to be so absorbing mm. and then so competitive. Uh, the spirit behind the cricket was to perform well. Uh, uh, yes, uh, the intention of any team is to win. But then there were West Indies. I can tell you one thing, the bat battery of the pace bowling was such high voltage mm. <laughs> that if you thought that as a test batsman, yes, okay, Andy Roberts is finished. Now I'm glad I can actually focus. Next, you will get a string of four more bowlers who will be Holding. Michael Holding, Joel Garner, Colin Croft, and then Keith Boyce and Van Burn Holder. They will also add to the fray. And they used to take away the mm. wickets also. Was Did Marshall bowl in the 70s or was Marsh, he late Marshall 70s? came in the late 70s. late 70s. So he came in 1976 onwards, actually. Right, right, but right. then uh, I saw the very first ball in which uh, Gavaskar edged his uh, edged the yeah. ball to the wicketkeeper. Gavaskar always played well against West Indies, didn't he? Sonny Gavaskar, if he sticks to more than 20, virtually he's crossing the 100. Yeah. Like that. So he's not going to give away the wickets just like that. No. He had the tenacity, the strength of mind, the skill level to sustain any type of pace, actually. In those days, mind you, there were no helmets. Yeah. There were no special guards. It was a, it was a different and, game. Uh, in one of the tests in 1976, uh, India had beaten uh, West Indies in Port of Spain test. And then the final decision came to the Kingston test, wherein five of them were hospitalized. I remember. That's, India that, was 85 yeah. or 5 or so, and there, <laughs> all the five batsmen had been admitted to the hospital line by line, juxtaposed to, to each other. Clearly, the, the 70s, I mean, I wasn't born to see that, but I've only seen YouTube highlights and read those articles about that. Full of strength, stamina. You call anything, it was there in their uh, blood, actually. Mm. But the Australian team, led by Greg Chappell, uh, they actually trounced this West Indies team 5-1 in a six-match series in Australia. They, that was the era in which Vivian Richards blossomed into one of the finest batsmen, actually. The last two tests he scored, some two centuries, it had to be, uh, of course, I had not seen, it had to be heard to be believed. You were listening on the radio. Uh, we were all listening to the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. We, ABC, we were yeah. not missing one second of it, actually. <laughs> we used to sit in front of the radio, half an hour prayer to that, and then uh, till 
uh, half an hour uh, uh, got closed, we were still anticipating that when is the next session that is starting. Wow. Like, because the sound used to be so amicable to the ears. Yeah. <laughs> it used to be. Uh, and then we used to discuss with all our friends and relatives and play uh, uh, close by as to how it went. That's how that passion got built up, actually. Mm. And that's quite interesting because um, I think back then, the 70s and 80s, particularly the 70s, was all focused on test cricket. And test cricket was king. And in this juxtaposing it now to this modern cricket environment, we have so many more distractions. I suppose back then you were able to listen to the ABC radio, wherever you were listening to it, but that was the one thing you would do. You'd listen to it and you didn't have other distractions. Whereas nowadays we live in a, a world with hundreds of different distractions. We're on our phones the whole time. We're doing thinking of other things when cricket is on and cricket is this sport, which is a slow paced sport. And I wonder if we now take it to this current day, current cricket cricketing summer, I wonder what your immediate thoughts are about this summer. Like, will, is this a test cricket summer with Pakistan and West Indies playing? Is it a summer that you think you'll... Will you watch much cricket? I, I will be watching uh, quite a bit of uh, this summer cricket. The only unfortunate thing is the teams that are currently coming to Australia, excepting only one team, I would, sub, uh, I would uh, straight away say... India is one team which has given the fight to the Australian team in Australia for the past 20 years. Yeah. At least be able to win one or two test matches or even a, a two consecutive series in the recent events. South Africa did. South to Africa be fair. did that. England yeah. also did that once, actually. Yes. But then it has been a flash of brilliance mm. that has uh, made the difference. When the tips were when the chips were down on the Australian side, say you have got to remember one thing: uh, Australia is not a pushover, where, even when it comes to a defeat. Actually, okay, they will uh, they will take the defeat, but then they will be very very diplomatic, humble to accept. Yes, we have been defeated. Now it is time for us to actually chalk out a plan as to how to maneuver and overcome this defeat successfully and this is one country not only in cricket in every sphere of sport they do not give it no. they do not actually uh, succumb to uh, yeah, any opposition which might think they can actually road roll the Australian yeah. team. So coming back to cricket, look, it will be lopsided, completely <laughs> lopsided. Unfortunately, I will tell you something. In Australia, when you come, I would actually draw two or three critical parameters required for the opposing teams to race to the occasion and then exceed the expectation also. You should be able to sustain the game for five days, mm. be able to make sure that you play every ball thinking that you have got to survive the next ball, this, the, the ball after, etc. And then you should have the skill and the stamina to stay, stand for two full days if you have to actually beat this Australian team. Mm. 
Yeah. And this was demonstrated only by very few players. I, uh, the most important players that comes to my mind is Rahul Dravid and VVS Lakshman. They yeah. proved it actually time and time again in Australia as well as in India that they were able to stand to the any Australian team, be able to extricate the team, their team from a dismal position into a very sound position and into a winning lead, actually. Yeah, I think to that point, South Africa also showed that with Graham Smith, A.B. de Villiers, Jacques Callas. Absolutely. And then who was that pace bowler who was... Devil Stain. De- devastating, actually. Yeah. Even the series 2-0, actually. Yeah. And then when, when, when England was competitive against Australia in Australia... They had the likes of Andrew Strauss, Alistair Cook, Kevin Peterson, and using your example, they were able to bat two days, two Cor- three days, which, which which probably proved that. Now, I to latch on to one of your points just about this uh, cricketing summer, I think it's one of the weakest cricketing summers that uh, we've seen in the last few years, and it's probably a byproduct of Australia in the last ten years has attracted the top nations to come in the summer. So it's in India come very frequently, almost at once every three years, sometimes every two years. South Africa has come, bar the last series, which was not very competitive. They've been in Australia and Australia. England has come. Now we have a summer where the West Indies are coming and Pakistan's coming. And I'm not expecting either of them to win a test match, nor am I expecting either Pakistan or West Indies to win a... I don't think... I think they'll be lucky to win a, a day my feeling, my estimation or guesstimation could be totally wrong. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Uh, the match will be over in two and a half days, actually. Yeah. In every test, actually. What happens yeah. is the batting strength of these uh, West Indies is extremely brittle. They can hit few shots, four and sixes and other things. That doesn't matter in cricket. Mm. You have got to sustain it over the n- uh, complete five days and then show yeah. it to the opponent that you are not pushover. Yeah. And then all that you are doing, you, are, you have got to indicate to the Australian team that you at least you are a 49, if not 51. Mm. Likewise, Pakistan, except for Babar, I am not expecting any other player to stand, stay put and then continuously keep scoring. And mm. how many times you can expect barbarism to be successful? You tell me. You can't. You can't. Their, their own captain, Shan Masood, who's just newly been, uh, recently been appointed, he averages 26 in test cricket. No, with the likes of uh, four fast bowlers who are so devastating, yeah. the grit with which they bowl, the pace with which they bowl is almost similar. Mm. But the bounce they create for that particular speed is that extra bounce, which is a little bit venomous for the opposing teams. Ah, yes. Teams that have actually been able to negate this bounce have won the test outright. Mm. Virendra Saivak. Yeah. Sachin Tendulkar. Yeah. Rahul Dravid. Vivius Lakshman. They were some of the standing examples who can who proved to the outside world that yes, this is a team that can be beaten, provided you have the wherewithal. Yeah. Or you, you, the other way you can win in Australia is you have a equal bowling attack or a bowling attack that's that's dominated by pace, which you, which South Africa had, India's had of late. With point um, blank, yeah. you're you're right. The recent series in which Boomra 
and then uh, shami shami and then uh, mohammed siraj yeah i mean pakistan um to put it into context they have won four test matches in australia in their history and they haven't won a test match since 1995 so and and since 95 so they won in 95 they won a one test match in 95 i think it was the the third test match they won they had waka yunus wasim akram bowling them to victory 99 they lost 3-0 and that was one of their strongest teams where they they were unlucky to lose in in hobart you are right actually at in hobart they, justin langer was out quite uh, <laughs> He was and out. it was not given out yeah. because in those days there were no referrals. No, no. It's all right. That's okay. <laughs> Look, these things happen. In fact, in 2008 and 2009 series, um, Andrew Simmons was caught behind. Mm. Steve Buckner did not give him out. And he went on to score a century. Like and that. they won that, yeah. And then they won the test, actually. But we have to be fair. I was talking about this with uh, uh, one of my friends. We were talk- covering the 2001 India-Australia series. and india was india had the benefit of some nice favorable decisions in india um so i i well, i think all it just goes to show is that when you play on your home pitch you'll get a few favorable decisions which makes it all the more challenging to win a series away from home because back in the day if you won a series away from home you were going against the crowd you were going against even the umpires it was a it was a true achievement so now in this modern environment with uh, referrals and everything i think it's equalized it a little more it it's with the pitches are all this, like very homogenized now with exception with maybe safe for indian pitches and australian pitches a lot of the pitches now gives an equal opportunity to both teams you you are right in fact the in the golden era the a uh, country which was actually hosting the opponents they used to have their own umpires actually mm. and it used to be extremely debatable yeah. now it's all international umpires uh, see i have to say the game has been made more interesting in many many aspects it goes without saying for a point that you were actually bringing about just few minutes ago in the from 70s to this day how cricket has changed there's one personality who cannot be forgotten kerry packer who actually created the first first one day and then completely tilted the scale of all the professional players to come and then play for his franchise even to this day i think he has been seen in a different perspective but the amount of opportunities that kerry packer actually threw in terms of availability of opportunities for players from many countries and also what they are capable of actually earning he could not have been imagined so mm. this is yeah. one thing where cricket has gone more commercial than the test cricket that was envisaged to sustain forever yeah. uh, under the broadman days etc now that that's not the case at all actually so can we finish with this the the cricket part of this um, episode firstly predictions for this australia pakistan series i'm predicting 3-0 agree absolutely 3-0 3-0 3-0 for uh, <laughs> for in favor and, of australia against pakistan and i think they're playing two tests against west indies so we'll say 2-0 it, it'll be a whitewash yeah. complete <laughs> whitewash actually you can play even 
many more test <laughs> matches. Uh, unfortunately, I saw the West Indi uh, I saw the West Indies team uh, playing against uh, India. It's for no sustenance at all. Actually, if one wicket falls, you can expect two more wickets to yeah. be in line, and then this is not the way. Uh, you can in which you can actually come to a test match this is no preparation at all i know it, i i, I it, agree it is not about opportunity unless you are prepared don't even enter this uh, threshold of the skill level actually can i ask you this uh to conclude the cricket discussion it's about test cricket and the future of test cricket are you worried about the future of test cricket or do you think test cricket will stay relevant for the next 50 years? See, I, I'm not worried about the test cricket. I'll tell you, as long as you have a bifurcation or trifurcation or rather uh, uh, split up in the number of configurations, cricket will survive because there is no, uh, I mean, except very few players like Virat Kohli who can represent all three uh, configurations of the game. There are very few players who will play a test match, who will play a one dayer, who will play a 20, <laughs> T20, etc. So those who are playing in test matches might stipulate test matches as the main code and then they might survive in that condition. So test match will be the focal point in which um, I think ICC is actually boosting up the uh, credentials of the test match in terms of uh, motivating players uh, to uh, come and play test matches with uh, a, a sizable price money. Mm -hmm. So that being the case, Definitely, of course, people will be watching, the, the different players will be watching for uh, T20, 20, yeah. uh, IPL, etc., where you can make quick uh, money. Quick money, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Even I'm, sitting yeah. in the bench, actually. Oh, yeah. You probably make more money sitting on the bench in uh, IPL. I'm telling than, you, for, for yeah. 44 days, I have seen some players who have never played even one match. <laughs> I think they built a few, probably. They bought a few houses in Vaucluse <laughs> with that money. Um, no, thanks, Lana. Very, thanks, Freddie. Thank very, you. very insightful as always. Um, we'll take a quick break and then we will be back to discuss one of the true heroes of a different sport in field hockey, but we'll be back right after this. of this episode it's dedicated to honoring what i classified as goats in other sports or in sports outside of the well-known uh, sports that we play and we watch cricket basketball tennis rugby so today i wanted to focus on a sport that is known to a lot of us but 
it's not really watched by that many in the world anymore, but it used to be one of the most popular sports in the world. So I want to cover it, but it's the sport of field hockey. And I want to cover an athlete that has been regarded as the goat, the greatest of all time in this sport. And just unpack that a little bit. So the athlete we want to focus on is Major Dian Chand. And I know he's very dear to you, but before we get into that, I wanted to, can you give us a bit of a background into your relationship with field hockey, how you got into it? Because you did play at a very high level. Uh, See, so in terms of field hockey, uh, my elder brother uh, was considered as a good hockey player in his college days and also in his uh, uh, working days up to the age of maybe 30, 31, like that. Uh, he used to have two hockey sticks at home. And then we used to always try to uh, use a cork ball or a leather ball with which we used to hit uh, with the help of that hockey stick. And then some sort of an interest was emerging. And then we used to simultaneously um, think of the greatness of the Indian sport, which was really ruling the roast in those uh, era, uh, 60s, 50s, 60s, etc. But I'm speaking about the 60s. Uh, when I actually uh, wanted to play uh, hockey, field hockey, I actually approached the school team and uh, they asked me, do you know dribbling? They asked me. Actually, uh, I, by the time I started speaking about dribbling, I didn't want to speak about dribbling. I wanted to show them the dribbling. Uh, they all laughed, actually. All of them laughed. Okay, this fellow doesn't know anything, but he wants to speak about hockey, etc. So I was actually not included in the hockey team, etc. But then when I entered the pre-university, which was the National College, etc., I was in the National College hockey team, actually. Wow. They saw this skill level and the dribbling, and then many of the players could not take the ball away from me. Or I was very, very quick thinking, so okay. Were you playing on grass? It was not grass, it was normal uh, soil. Okay. Okay? It was normal soil. Uh, for the grade with which I was playing at the college level, it was not even prepared properly. Wow. It was a rough, in bare foot you had to pay, uh, you had to play. And then that being the case, if you were lucky and if you are born from a uh, probably enriched family, etc., you might have a pair of shoes. In my case, it was all barefoot, actually, like that. Okay. And, and you were in a family of, you had nine brothers and sisters. Uh, three mm. brothers and seven sisters, actually. Yeah. So that being the case, the, the, the interest in hockey was significant. I used to always go through the sports and pastime magazines. I used to see Prithipal Singh on the front cover, Balbir Singh, Harbinder Singh, uh, all the top uh, players. And then I used to go inside, uh, they open the pages inside and then read about them. And then they did India proud despite ab absolute difficulty in playing in terms of field hockey's popularity worldwide it's the indian national sport but it doesn't seem to generate um 
as much interest in other countries where it's not really a sport where I think athletes can earn a significant sum of money playing the sport. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it hasn't, it didn't catch on like other sports? I will give you a typical example. While we were playing the intercollegiate match, there was one team from Al-Amin College. They did not have uniform, but they had 11 sticks for their players. They did not have the shoes. They did not have any wherewithal that you can think of mm. or the shin pad uh, that normally will have to be worn. Otherwise, your shin is going to be hit badly. When the umpires decided that they, are, they will be disqualified, the captain went and approached the umpire, why are you disqualifying? In their local language, in the local language, they asked. Actually, they said you should be wearing shorts for this. They could not afford uniform shorts for all the eleven, despite being a, in a college team. Do you know what they did? They pulled all the long pants into half pants, and then they played. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, I like such uh, 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 th thought process. Okay, you are in a desperate situation, but you want to play. But look at that flair and the aptitude behind each and every player. And the yeah. captain also uh, taking part in that. So he also doesn't have a shot, actually. Mm. So you need 11 sticks. You need ball, like the cricket ball, like the kookaburra ball, etc. But then you need the ground. Then you need the nets, etc. If you see all these things, probably for a very poor person, the best that he or she could afford might be a stick, a borrowed stick perhaps. But then you need to get other players also similarly with some sort of a borrowed stick or at least a presented stick. So, and then the motivation behind this is the crowd. The crowd is slowly being taken away from uh, hockey to other courts, perhaps cricket has eaten away or cannibalized uh, hockey and many other sports in India. And how they did it, uh, cricket also requires the wherewithal, the cricket also requires a lot of resources. Uh, how they have done it, probably the hockey fraternity, hockey management may have to take a leaf from this actually. Mm in order to create a balance. It's not that India is now fairly rich and affordable and they can actually provide. Uh, they are conducting the Premier Hockey League. Yeah. And sizable price money and other things are there in the, in the uh, Premier League. But it's they not just... to expand yeah. this. But it's not just India in the sense worldwide hockey is not a... It's, it's played in a number of European countries. It's played in Australia. But... I don't think you could find an Australian hockey player that earns a comparative or equivalent salary to a football player, rugby player, uh, cricketer in Australia. So worldwide, it seems like field hockey trails behind all the other sports. But maybe it's just a case that it's just not that popular. I cannot agree less with you, actually. <laughs> it is absolutely the point, actually. Mm. The, 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 there is no match in terms of remuneration. Uh, for yeah, the but is that just the popularity of the sport? It's not, it's Precisely, the, the concept of popularity, how it was generated, when was it overtaken, 
when say 1968 was the decline of indian hockey india won the gold medal in 1928 amsterdam games 1932 la 1936 berlin 1948 london 1952 helsinki 1956 melbourne 1960 rome olympics they lost to pakistan Mm. they regained it in 1964 at uh, uh, tokyo in 1968 mexico olympics i think they were number 3 bronze medalist and then the decline 1980 they won the gold medal but there were only six teams and then all the top notches like the holland the germany australia never participated in that mm. um that somewhat goes to the athlete that i wanted to just discuss with you um dian chand that name's probably not as well known outside of india in hockey like i think his name is well known in hockey circles but the name probably doesn't echo around the world like it probably should for someone who was so great but dian chand was a indian hockey superstar i think he was known as the wizard or the magician in um in in hockey parlance in india but he played in the 1920s and 30s do you have um much of a recollection of dian chand and his impact on hockey in fact if indian hockey uh, hockey story were to emanate it started with dian chand and many times it used to culminate with john dian chand also dian was the name dian means meditation his coach i think awarded that particular dhyan to chand his brother was rupchand wow. both of them played against uh, united states i think they scored 24 uh, 24 goals 1. in that olympic yeah. or so against usa yeah. uh, 14 by rupchand and then dhyan chand was aiding every goal imaginable and he was thinking what else to do like that actually yeah. but then dhyan chand heralds an era between 1928 till perhaps 1948 i think when he played the hockey he had the strength skill and stamina to outwit any other player there the the demarcation or the distinction between dhyanchand and then the remaining players was was so significant So he won a gold in 1928 for India and the Olympics 1932, 1932 and 1936 1936 Berlin yeah. Olympics and then yeah. it was Adolf Hitler's game and then on the podium uh it seems Adolf Hitler requested what are you in Indian uh, army he said i am a sepoy which is what is sepoy what? means a, an infantry soldier mm. the soldier is the lowest in the hierarchy why don't you come to germany i'll make you a major general hitler said that hitler said yeah he said thank you and then he walked out actually that's a, that's the way yeah. uh, was unforgettable and then in the in fact the other episode that i remember is his stick was actually summoned to the uh, umpires and then the yeah. umpires uh, requested that this stick let it be open whether any magnet has been placed inside actually they did that in the 
the with the advent of uh, television the youtube etc you are not able to devote the same type of attention to hockey uh, which used to exist several decades ago so uh, i still have respect and love for that game uh but c- coming to current crop of players always there is a flash of brilliance in every team yeah but would you would you put dianchand as the greatest still he he would have created significant difference between amongst these players actually because he was able to outmaneuver them in the departments of field hockey which he had imbibed so nicely i think it is the practice that makes a man perfect or, or makes a personality perfect actually that's what made dian perfect actually i mean just his achievements are um, immeasurable from an indian perspective india is not known as a great olympic country but when he was there they won three olympic golds which is unheard of for in for fact sport. they won three consecutive golds 28 32 36 and then 48 52 56 yeah so and, yeah 6 and then but during his time he he sort uh, of set he, know, he seven started times that. they have won yeah in in field hockey which is which is outstanding seven, eight times they have won including moscow olympics yeah and he the government of india honored him with the padma bhushan Uh, that's correct that's um, correct which is uh, i don't know much about it but i understand it's the third highest indian civilian honor he which it shows his place in um, in indian sports but i think he's probably slept on from a perspective of worldwide people probably don't um mention his name when we talk about some of the greatest sporting athletes alive but i think he he he's um scored over 1000 goals in his entire domestic and international career but if you put it into perspective he played 185 matches for india and scored 570 goals the, the, which you, which you is can ridiculous. imagine if you have played for 185 matches and 570 goals that is more than an average of 3 <laughs> yeah per match actually um it's yeah it, it see in any era if a player were to make this sort of distinct or conspicuous difference amongst their players it's like bradman creating a 99.96 average when the next average Where was, was the 50 the average the next average was 61 yeah jack hobbs yeah or 61 yeah correct and then uh, there's such a big difference and then 29 centuries out of 52 tests like that so yeah. this sort of statistics it's wide nigh impossible to even emulate yeah i think people don't appreciate that sometimes it's when he had such a distinct uh, advantage over his peers he he had no he had no equivalent or there was no c- comparison there was no person who came close to his level correct um and I think when you talk about the debate of who's the greatest of all time every sport will have their own greatest of all time in basketball it's Michael Jordan or LeBron But James in, right. in in uh in tennis it might be now now it could be Djokovic or Federer but Djokovic had Federer Nadal next to him they're winning the same amount um basketball LeBron and Michael might be you know close but in cricket you have Bradman and he had no one close to him 
during his time. There was a clear demarcation clear. between Bradman and others. For example, yeah. if you were to take tennis era, 1970s, Jimmy Connors, McEnroe, Bjorn Borg, Ili Nastase, etc. And then in 60s, Roy Emerson, Rod Lever, yeah. uh, Ray Ruffles, uh, John Alexander. And then you had always a cluster of players in the top notch, be it any code. Yeah. But when it came to hockey, the distinctive um, uh, separatism or s- uh, separation rather, not separatism, separation between Dhyan Chand and others was evident in the form of uh, a result, the score, the humility, and also the low uh, key that he used to maintain despite the high skill threshold. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> It's just a, it's a shame that someone like Dhyan Chand or players who made it that famous are not uh, probably revered worldwide. And it's also somewhat sad that someone like him probably wasn't, he probably didn't live in vast wealth. No, just imagine if two benches will have to be joined and then you have to sleep in that joint bench. Yeah. For a for about fifteen days to a pro tournament, yeah, and then paid four rupees per day, yeah, that's you just imagine. Okay, well, what's the <laughs> situation in which you are in? But then they did not complain about those things. No, which probably drove them. That, that to... shows the humility and the personality. There are many things. It goes beyond the personality of sports that you are supposed to embrace the sport, play for it. And at the same time, you must be setting an example for the entire world population. You, your leadership skills is not deputed, is not being seen only in the field of sport, even on and off the field, it must be seen. This is a ex- perfect example of that, actually. Yeah. Um, Nana, that was great. Um, uh, hopefully listeners will remember the name and next time they're in a sporting discussion, he might be someone that's mentioned. But um, thanks for coming on the episode. I had a lot of fun. Oh, Dilip, I thoroughly enjoyed all the questions that you have actually uh, asked. And uh, uh, I like the very topic that you selected. Uh, since it was quite impromptu, uh, well, whatever I knew, I could actually... Uh, give it off. It was very insightful. Anytime um, you can actually... Uh, will do. Uh, okay. I mean, come for a discussion. That will be great, buddy. Okay. Lovely. Thanks, Thank Anna. you. Thanks a lot. Bye.